Thank you for joining in to the Paper Towel Podcast. We have an amazing show for you guys today. We have an amazing producer and actor based out of Los Angeles, California. And without further ado, let's jump into it. you'd like to just introduce yourself to the people um jack well that's awesome jack um i guess i just really wanted to start off i understand that you have a background in both acting and producing i guess one of the first questions that i really wanted to ask you was how did you first get introduced into acting or what kind of pathways did you find that kind of led you into that world Okay. Um, yeah, I started acting when I was like four years old. Some one of those pricks. Okay, so you started acting at four years old. Was there like an acting school or something like that in your neighborhood that you just found, or how did that how did that end up happening? Uh, I actually just um, I would start like just memorizing scenes from films uh, and performing them. I don't even remember doing this, but this is what my parents tell me. And then uh, by age like eight or nine, I think uh, I did my, I shot my first film. I can't remember exactly when, but it was a full short and I uh, wrote it and directed and starred in it. And um, then I've been doing it with friends ever since. Yeah. Awesome. So you started at such a young age and obviously when you get into like this new kind of world of the entertainment industry, there's so many people that have all these different acting coaches or singing coaches or their outlets or stuff that they go to. Uh, is there anything specific that you did that kind of makes you stand apart from the other people? Um, uh, geez, these are uh, tough questions, man. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> Guys check in. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I went to New York Film Academy for a year out of high school. Uh-huh. It's a college, it's considered a college. So I did a year there. And then I, um, I went to Playhouse West after that, which is like a Meisner based school here in LA. It's very well respected. Like people that come out of it were like Mark Pellegrino, James Franco, um, a few other big names. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess I, I having the filmmaking aspect, I feel like I made a lot more connections that way than just being an actor. Although uh, I, I luckily had some really great uh, opportunities purely as an actor where I don't even mention uh, my filmmaking background. So but a lot of people like, you know, since I've produced, um, you know, a few films with uh, like some pretty big celebrities in them uh, want to get to know me for that reason. So that's <laughs> wow. And then just talking about making connections. I guess I was doing a, a deep dive on your Instagram account a couple of days ago. And so I was looking through some of the stories that you posted and I kind of noticed that you had an opportunity to work with some, <laughs> you had the opportunity to work with some big social media stars like James Charles and um, Bryce Hall. Can you just tell me how that came to be the whole entire dynamic of how that even started, how you're able, how you got in contact with these people or did they contact you? Well, I kind of got started, well, working with influencers, I started doing that when I did a film with my, my very good friend, Gilbert Sosa, who is a uh, pretty 
big influencer. He directed it and I, I was a producer on it. Um, and we did that down in Mexico and we did had influencers act in it. So we had like Tavo Betancourt, who's absolutely huge and Nashla and um, you know, a couple other TV stars down in Mexico. And we did a short film uh, and we released on YouTube and it got like 1.2 million views. So we had that big success. And then I went on and I uh, shot a lot, a lot of content for my friend, Paul Butcher, who uh, was, um, if you don't recognize his name, he was uh, Dustin on Zooli 101. And I got a big online following. So I did like a lot of uh, his bang energy commercials. And then um, I worked with a couple other people outside of that. So I just kind of slowly built that resume, um, which is kind of considered pretty separate from the filmmaking kind of, um, because it's like a different circle. It's like, it's a whole different world, the social media world, and then like actually filming. It's really hard to see both of them mesh, but when they do mesh, it's really interesting. And I think a lot of people kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah, if you can have a, a successful film uh, with influencers, I think that's something a lot of people think can't be done. Uh, but I, I found that to that be possible. You know, if you if you get the right people, it's all about casting. I mean, you could have a film, I mean, you cast poorly, influencers or not, and it's gonna suck. You know, so I, the, being an influencer doesn't preclude somebody from being a good actor, but um, you just what the mistake would be to cast an influencer just because they're have a following um, and not like really look into their acting or make sure they're right for the part. So some of the things that I kind of noticed about about your work is that you've done a lot of stuff as a producer. I just wanted to just so our audience knows what are some of the kind of aspects or jobs that a producer does on a shoot? Um, like you pretty much a, a real producer, like a full, if you have a full producer credit, you would be involved at the script stage of, God damn it, what is happening? <laughs> uh, at the script stage of um, the project. And uh, you'd be like involved basically in every single step all the way through to, um, to like distribution. So that's, uh, you know, uh, pretty much running the business and all the organization of the entire project, um, which I, you know, I prefer to direct and act, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, producing is just something, you know, you, everybody needs one. And um, it's something I learned to do directing and like making my own films, I mm -hmm. guess. I still do it for my own stuff. Um, it feels a lot less like work. Uh, when you're just trying to make your project happen, you know. And just a question that I had, how long would you say that it takes for a production from start to finish? Well, if everything goes perfectly, which it never does, uh, I would say like you could theoretically do it in one year. Um, if you have, let's say you have a script, because a script could take years to write, mm -hmm. you know, depends. So like once you have a script, then if you do everything right, you could do it in a year and have it turned out. Um, but like realistically, like two to three years, I'd say. And then just something that I'm curious about is just kind of the different aspects of people and how you said that a uh, film or yeah, film could take about a year to just produce from start to finish. If you're a producer or an actor or someone like that, do you work on multiple projects in a year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, like for short films and stuff like that, it can take a lot shorter. Um, 
So like, you know, I, I, I do, I act in a lot of different things throughout the year that I'm not involved in, in any other capacity. And then um, I try to direct something every year. I mean, I direct a lot of content for influencers, which, you know, I don't really consider the, the creative directing the way I, I like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more of a narrative guy. So that's what I, I'm, I'm we're actually gearing up to do a, a non-union TV pilot, like a 30 minute pilot. It's going to be like a fun action adventure thing. So that's the project I'm focused on right now. That's, that's awesome. I know we were, we had talked about it before, but I, if I understand correctly, you have a new movie that's going to be hitting theaters by the end of this month. Yeah, I was just one of the producers on it. I mean, not to say I didn't bust my ass to make that happen, but um, you know, we had a, we had a lot of people, a lot of producers help throughout the way to get this one done for sure. Um, and it's called Last Call, and it's starring um, Reese Franz, um, John Malkovich. Uh, Rodrigo Santoro, Tony Hale, and uh, Zosia Mamet. So, and so with that film, if you could just walk us through kind of all the different aspects that you were a part of when it came to this film. Um, I was involved after it was shot, actually, and um, it ran into some issues. And I spoke with the director, who also happened to be the writer and kind of a, one of the pretty much the lead producer on that project. Um, but he, you know, he, his love is um, the creative. He's a very, if you look him up, Stephen Bernstein, he's um, one of the most prolific cinematographers of our time. Um, he did studio film after studio film um, from The Waterboy to Monster with Charlize Theron. Uh, and then he went on to direct. Um, so I kept, stepped in and, you know, I had some radical ideas as to like how we could solve some of the issues that the film was facing and um he he liked a lot of them so he brought me in as a producer and um him and i worked pretty much from that point to just solve all the issues and get the film distributed another one of the questions that i kind of had for somebody that's a producer that kind of sees stuff from start to finish who understands what it's like being an actor a director kind of just all these different aspects of it is when you're starting a project and you are casting. What are some of like the different aspects that you look for when you're looking for actors? Um, well, yeah, it's, I'm kind of very particular when I cast people, which annoys a lot of my friends um, <laughs> because uh, I just have a very specific vision for <clears throat> my projects. Um, and, um, you know, for each character, I, I have an image in my head. And um, all the time, especially since I write write a lot of my own stuff. Uh, so I look for them to have the energy of the character, uh, to have the look, you know, and to have talent, the talent. So those three things, you know, when I, I've cast other people's shorts and stuff like that, and I'm a little bit more forgiving. So like, but we want to see the talent there. We want to see you put the work into the audition. You know, we understand, you know, auditions are auditions. It's not a part. So, you know, we don't expect you to bring everything you'd be bringing to the table um, for a uh, for like when you're actually performing the scenes because you know it's not guaranteed you're going to get paid it's kind of on spec um, but we want to see the energy we want to see the it factor I guess which is hard to have I mean it's just something you have to kind of study um, people who are like leading actors 
what what is that they have that it, it factor in it's hard to describe it in a tangible way but you you have to have it and try to develop your own um shtick i guess your your own little way of of um, standing out as an actor i really understand the kind of like that aspect of it just from my own personal experience trying to do some of the short films and when you do get into it you just have this like tunnel vision and i just wanted to know from you if it's hard to kind of convey a message to your peers or other people that are helping working with you on like how you exactly want it done. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, a skill you develop over a career, you know, um, the great, great directors can articulate exactly what they want and they know how to um, phrase things to draw a performance out of an actor as well as communicate to the uh, the DP and the producers their vision you know and that's something that just you know I've seen people have a natural back for it it comes down to communication right um, mm -hmm. it's something you can learn over time um, some people some directors are way better at it than others um, you know you don't have to be perfect at it to make a great film but it certainly helps to um, make things easier on everybody else to deliver on what you're looking for right yeah what I think. Just kind of out of curiosity too, I understand that you do a lot of writing and directing and your own stuff. When you, when you have kind of this control of what you're able to do, do you find yourself using kind of the same exact people that you know and you trust in your, in your films? Mm, yeah, kind of. I mean, I've worked with a lot. I've definitely worked with a lot of the same people over multiple projects, mm -hmm. um, but I, that's not to say I don't, I branch out a lot as far as like working with new cinematographers, new directors, um, new actors, you know, uh, especially because people like moving in and out of LA and moving in and out of anywhere really. Um, so it does change up a quite a bit, but I, I certainly love having a go-to, you know, somebody I know can deliver what I'm looking for. And I don't have to kind of take a leap when I bring them in. So when creating a film, I understand that there's a whole kind of business kind of aspect to it and some films obviously have bigger budgets than others but how do you raise the money and then at the same time how do you kind of distinguish what's going to go to what um yeah uh there's people called line producers you can pay to break down your script and make a budget for you mm -hmm. um and it's if you can you know a lot of them charge quite a bit because it's an extensive process you have to actually know what you're doing um, or you could just kind of ballpark it yourself, you know, just break down every scene and say, you know, what props do we need? What locations do we need? Can we get them for free? Is this stuff we already have or stuff we're going to need to pay, you know? And then you, when you, yes, yeah, it's, it's all the, the line producer does all this stuff. They also break down like when, what, what, what days you're going to shoot what basically, you know, how many days is it going to take? How many scenes can you bunch together and get done in one day? So then you know like your day rates of the actors and the crew and you can calculate, you know, how many days it's gonna to take to shoot and who you're gonna to have to pay on those days. Um, it's a, it's a con convoluted process, I'd say, yeah. And then when it comes to actually raising the money, cause I know you can um, work with like some of like the bigger uh, production companies and they'll pay for a good chunk of it. Or when you're doing an independent film, how do you go about raising that money as well? Um, it's tough. I mean, it's, you have to know people who are willing to put money you know, into your film. Really? I mean, I, I don't, 
think crowdfunding, I've never had success with it. Um, I think, you know, the money I've raised is just from people I know, you know, a few thousand here, a few thousand there for like short films. Um, I've gone to bigger companies for bigger projects and, you know, gotten them to put some money in. Um, but it's, it's really, really tough. I mean, it's not something that's easy for me even, you know. A lot of people are trying to break into the industry as directors, producers, actors, but having you been, what? Is it, are they? <laughs> well, a good number. Some of them. How many? I don't know. There's, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but, um, <laughs> um, there's a good chunk of people trying to be actors at some point in their life where they just see it on the TV screen and they go, man, I can do that. But there's a lot of different behind the scenes people that work uh, from people who work as cameramen to um, kind of makeup and all that, all the other different things that come with a movie set. Mm -hmm. As you being a producer, someone who has kind of worked over and seen the whole entire production of a film, how do you find and contract with these people who are makeup artists or special effects or cameramen? How do you find them? Uh, I know more than I could hire as far as people who are cinematographers, honestly. Uh, it's just something when you're filmmaking, you run into people, especially in LA where they're looking for work. Um, I get emails all the time for cinematographers. Um, makeup people, I usually do through word of mouth because I've had bad experiences with some. Um, and uh, as far as everything else, it's like pretty much word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I work with so many people at my, like I'm at the point where I'm at that I have a good contact base for like both New York and LA. Um, but like, it's not hard. I mean, you could go on filmmaking forums and find people in your city uh, on Facebook. I find, um, you know, there's, I try to like answer some people's questions sometimes, but those can be pretty brutal places. I mean, a lot of really, really green people and a lot of people who shouldn't be giving advice, offering advice. Uh, but, you know, like I said, yeah, you could definitely find people on those at least to start off. So now kind of getting into some of the personal thoughts. Um, just really curious, what is one of the worst pieces of advice that you've ever heard someone tell someone? Oh, I, I got told some pretty bad advice when I was starting out as an actor. Uh, I was told not to join SAG and try to avoid joining SAG as, as much as possible so I could build up a, well, like a um, good work base, I guess, of non-union films because like it is difficult to do a non-union film once you become SAG. But I, that, and in reality, it was really bad advice because being SAG means like you, it's really, a lot of casting directors look for that. A lot of people look for that. Um, they don't want to tap Hartley, which is, they shouldn't, you know, I was just talking about this with um, um, one of the head casting directors at Warner Brothers yesterday. Um, uh, and he was saying, you know, it's, it is, it's kind of a silly, way of thinking because in reality it's not hard to tap hardly somebody which would be when um when somebody's non-union and you hire them for a union project you have to submit a tats hartley report which is basically um 
this is their resume, this is why we're casting them. Um, there's a fee associated with it that's not too much, it's like $500 for production. And you submit it to SAG and they can approve or deny you hiring that person. And if they approve it, which they usually do, if you're hiring somebody with any sort of experience base, um, they, um, they become instantly SAG and they have to pay their dues and everything. But basically you can take a non-union actor, hire them for your SAG project, make them union off the bat like that. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Like a lot of people have the wrong idea about it. They think that's a difficult process that they don't want to deal with. Um, so it kind of cuts a lot of actors who are non-union out of opportunities. But in reality, it's not too difficult. So kind of just piggybacking on that, how does an actor kind of join this union? Uh, you, yeah, like I said, you could get Taft Hartlead, which is basically like you audition for a union project and they're like, we need this guy. And then they're going to do that on their end. Uh, or you could do background work where you get, and you do that through central casting and they, they cast pretty much all of the extra work in, in all, all the major films and TV shows. And um, if you get three voucher or uh, something like, I don't know, three to seven vouchers or something. Um, basically, if you work, you get a voucher if you work uh, as an extra on a union project. And then once you get a certain amount of vouchers, you can become SAG eligible. And then um, then you won't really run into those, those issues. Okay. And so now flip-flopping, what is some of the best advice that you've ever been given or you could give to somebody who's trying to find their way into this industry? Um, I think, you know, whether you're filmmaking or acting or producing, um, you really have to work insanely hard, like really, really hard um, every day to be able to contend because there's so many uh, opportunities you're not going to get. There's so many opportunities you do get that don't go anywhere and it's just a numbers game. So you need to be developing uh, meetings, opportunities, auditions, whatever, uh, every single day for yourself um, to have one of them pop off, you know. It's uh, really difficult. I mean, I've done over 40 auditions and I think probably only got, I've done like, wait, like 50, 50 auditions maybe in the past few years. And um, I think I only booked like maybe five parts basically. So, you know, what is that? Like one, one in 10 you'll get if you really know what you're doing. Um, so if you don't know what you're doing, you're not even going to get that. Uh, sorry, it's my my Grubhub driver is messaging me. Oh, is he, is he close? No, he's, he said uh, he said he's going to come tomorrow. So. Oh, okay. No, I, I don't know what that noise is. I need to stop though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no. Um, are you so you're you're a filmmaker? Too? Yeah. So I did um, a couple small things um, a couple years back, and then I kind of transitioned into like YouTube and kind of stuff like that and creating on there as a platform. And then um, I have a bunch of friends that were kind of also creators and interested in this. When it comes to this podcast, it kind of got me started on this journey of, of who I want to meet or kind of make connections and stuff like that within the entire industry and kind of understand how hard it is to actually get into it how it is to how hard it is to even succeed in an industry, even if you can get into it, 
And so that's kind of the start of this podcast and just being able to reach out and talk to a bunch of different people from a wide background is, has been fun. Yeah, I bet. How many people have you interviewed so far? You're the first one. Oh, wow. But well, uh, so it's a good place to start. I will say, you know, yeah. definitely not. You're off to a good start. <laughs> good response, Mike Grubhub driver. Okay. <laughs> so what are you ordering from Grubhub? I was kidding. I didn't order anything. Darn it. Yeah. I've been having this idea that you're going to you're going to get something from Grubhub. And um, I know. I don't, I don't have any treats. I got it. Not until I get my um, audition done. Yeah. What's your, what, uh, what is the role that you're auditioning for? Um, I'm auditioning for the lead role in Jay Alvarez's feature. I think it's his first feature. Um, and it's being exec produced by the Russo brothers, which is pretty incredible. Wow. Uh, and it's uh, sent a lot of pages of sides. Um, so... That's fun, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm excited though about it. Like, it's just, um, you know, I want to nail it. And it's funny, like a lot of, I, what I like with a lot of TV sides and a lot of like really big movies, like huge budget movies, they'll send like one or two pages of sides to perform. That's it. You know, they, you know like my friend auditioned for White Boy Rick and um, Ready Player One like the lead in both of those mm -hmm. and they just sent one page of sides, you know, just to get a flavor. But I find in like um, independent productions, I think this is one of them. It's uh, it's uh, they, they tend to ask a lot more as far as the act for the audition, like a lot of pages of sides, which I get, I get because, you know, you want to see how, you know, how they're going to perform like your, your favorite scenes of, you know, something you've written. You know, I, I've been guilty of doing that too for stuff I cast is just sending, you know, two big scenes and I'm sure the actors hate it. But, uh, you know, when you're the one picking people, you get to ask what you want to ask for. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this is the paper towel podcast. So. Yeah. It's We're cleaning things up, right? Cleaning things up and soaping up information. Yes. And reusable. Too. <laughs> you buy the good stuff. Well, no, I've, done, I've done a few other podcasts. I don't know if you knew that. Oh. I don't I hate to break it to you. Uh, no. Quite a few. All right. I'm not the first? No, no, unfortunately not. But you're the first for me. Yes. So, yes. as far as I know. <laughs> so, it's like having something special. It is special. Yes. <laughs> you're the first one this month. So, pretty good. There we go. I mean, it's something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that on my resume now. Yeah, I know. See, I love talking and hearing myself talk. So, anytime somebody offers to uh, do a podcast with me, I, I say yes. <laughs> Just so that you can listen to it in like a week or so. Yeah, I watch it immediately. <laughs> it comes out. I just put it on repeat for like a good 24 hours. Then I just put on the old ones and uh, really pump myself up when you when you go to the gym to work out it's just your full playlist is yeah well when i do that i actually i have my home gym so i just put on a tape of me working out other times so what was high school like for you uh obviously was the coolest guy in high school i mean i mean i i, I could see it just by your looks i wasn't i uh 
I was uh, not popular up until like 10th grade. And then I um, beat up a bully and then I was popular. Wow. So I always thought it was cool. Everybody else just didn't see it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I totally understand that. That's very similar to me, but um, a lot of people don't understand the creative kind of aspect of just putting out content and stuff like that. So I got a lot of people thinking I was just weird holding a camera around school. Gotcha. And then people, anything that's not in the norm, people pick at in like high school and all that shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I wore a ring that said like, had a guy's name on it. Um, it's my favorite character from Kingdom Hearts, Riku. And uh, people accuse me of being homosexual. Uh, and not in such nice terms either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's I, I, I wasn't doing that, so I don't know what it's like, but I can see why, you know, people might take you apart. But you know what? I had friends who got famous on YouTube in high school, so. You, you're a one lucky guy. You get all these amazing connections. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I live in Inglewood, so I don't know how lucky I really am, but. It just so happens that the location that you're in is. Yeah, it's a little rough and tumble around here. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I haven't, I don't know if anyone like out of my high school really blew up. I mean, I didn't go to school in California. I went to school in Rhode Island. And um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know who, who would be the most successful person. Well, you. I am. Thank you, but I, I would be so uh, presumptive to to say that. I don't know. I don't know where a lot of people ended up staying in the same town. A lot of people. I found. I think it's just like a millennial thing, and the way the economy is. A lot of my friends, you know, went to college, but then they bounce around from job to job. And um, yeah, I think it's just a tough time to be um, human, really. Just. Uh, it's a weird time yeah I mean I I, I think see like a lot of people like just and I don't think it people I think like a lot of boomers like blame like personality type or the generation but I think it has a lot more to do with the way like society is that like you know people don't stick with one job and just grow up that ladder you know a lot of, I've seen a lot of people like just live more bohemian lifestyles you know and like I had one friend who did some like, I forget he did sales or something. And then he bought a house and he doesn't live in the house. He rents the house out to other people and he lives in his car. Oh, which is interesting. Which makes total sense. Let me just yeah. buy this expensive house and have to pay everything for it. And then just live life in my Toyota Corolla. Or yep. <laughs> So I'm going to end it off right there. Thank you, Jack, for being on the first episode of the Paper Towel Podcast. For everybody out there listening, go follow Jack on Instagram. Look at the work that he's done. And remember to go watch Last Call in theaters November 25th. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Yep, hopefully we will. Okay. All right. See you. Bye-bye.